millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi there, and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. And um, tonight I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about the kind of, uh, I suppose intellectual history is, is what you would call it. It's the uh, development of right-wing thought uh, in the Conservative Party uh, from the, the 1950s onwards. Um, I'm, I'm looking at Marching to the Fault Line by Francis Beckett and David Henk, but I'm I'm speaking initially more um, from much of the writing I did about four or five years ago when I was engaged in writing several books um, for for the new history syllabus uh, on modern British history, and it is there's a, a kind of a fascinating journey which almost takes us to to the present moment when British politics is polarised so far to the right that um, the the kind of the the sorts of um, tropes, sorts of ideas that were considered to be verging on fascistic in the mid nineteen seventies, the kinds of ideas that were put about by the uh, the National Front, are now being uh, claimed by parties that um, are, have stood for election, uh, and in fact, actually, the the Conservative Party itself. Um, and this is part of the kind of the UKIPization of the Conservative Party since about 2015. But anyway, we we get kind of ahead of ourselves. If we go back to the end of the Second World War and the defeat of the Conservative government by the Labour Party, the the Labour Party's biggest kind of electoral victory uh, before the uh, the governments of Tony Blair. Um, the 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 Labour Party proved to the Conservatives a, a salutary lesson that the Conservative Party would have to accept the social contract uh, or the new social contract that was emerging after World War Two. Um, the Conservative um, Party 
the Conservative governments before the Second World War have not been without their own um, efforts towards uh, degrees of social reform. And in 1945, the manifesto that Winston Churchill's Conservatives put forward uh, was not devoid of social reform. Indeed, it had a form of national health insurance, nothing where uh, quite as comprehensive as the, the NHS uh, when that emerged in 1948. Um, but in 1947, the Conservatives, um, after having licked their wounds uh, and uh, reflected on the nature of their defeat, published a document called the Industrial Charter. And the Industrial Charter basically agreed to the following things. It said, you know, reluctantly we must accept nationalisation of um, railways, heavy industry, the things that Labour were nationalising. We must accept that the trade unions now have a much bigger role in uh, the the managing of the state, that they have been brought into um, uh, mainstream politics, they've been brought into Downing Street in essence, and they're, they're not going anywhere. We must also accept that there is an expanded welfare state uh, and that the the balance of things has tilted in the directions of social democracy. Now, the Conservatives won back power in 1951 and they continued to win until 1964 when Harold Wilson, um, Britain's most popular Labour politician, most successful Labour politician, of the post-war era, um, returned Labour to office. But during that period of time, uh, part of the, the, the Conservative appeal was this acceptance of a mixed economy, but also the Conservatives were lucky, fortunate enough, to experience um, an end to post-war austerity, the end to rationing, and the beginnings of of a post-war boom that would last until uh, the early 1970s. Um, And so they had really the the best of both worlds. Uh, As Harold uh, Harold Macmillan later said, you've never had it so good, or worse to that effect. What he actually was signalling there was a kind of a word of caution, of, you know, our people have never had it so good, and I I hope in essence that they can um, deal with uh, the social changes that are brought about by this new found prosperity. But there was a branch of the Conservative Party um, that did not accept this new uh, shift towards the political centre ground. Make no mistake, the Conservative Party was far from being uh, anything approaching left-wing, and every concession towards uh, shift towards the political soft left uh, was done really as a result of the calculation of political realities, uh, much as um, even those who were, were vehemently anti-Brexit after 2016, a great many voices were saying, well, you know, we, we have to accept and exist within these realities uh, no matter what. Um, so, the obviously, the, the key figure in the, the, the return of the Conservative Party to the economic and uh, the economically liberal and the socially conservative um, is Margaret Thatcher um, from 1975 onwards and she takes leadership of the Conservative Party and obviously 1979 when she's in office. So 
Um, Francis Beckett and David Henk write, Margaret Thatcher and the philosophy she stood for did not spring on the world new-minted in the 1970s. Hers was a strand of thinking in the Conservative Party which can be traced back um, at least as far as 1957, the first year of Harold Macmillan's premiership, when Peter Thornycroft resigned as Chancellor of the Exchequer, along with his Financial Secretary Enoch Powell and his Economic Secretary Nigel Birch. These three men stood for a new brand of conservatism, distinguished at first by their convictions that, mon- that, that money supply had to be controlled and inflation kept down with low-wage settlements, and the free market was the key to both prosperity and freedom itself. They had no patience with the patrician way in which Macmillan humoured and, in their eyes, appeased the unions and regarded them as having a legitimate voice in the state. The future years, uh, in future years, the battle lines lengthened to embrace the Atlantic Alliance and the European Union. So this was a, a, a key and interesting fact, is that the conservative right in the 1970s looked upon joining the European Economic Community as a good thing. And we'll come to later on as to, to why that kind of inverts itself. So um, Thornycroft, Birch and uh, Enoch Powell, who's famous um, racist anti-immigration Rivers of Blood speech in 1968 saw him as becoming um, under uh, under Ted Heath the the kind of the the outcast of, of the Conservative Party and and the darling of the far right in in Britain to this very day. The three of them believed that firstly, market forces needed to be allowed to operate in Britain once again. This isn't um, this isn't Thatcherism. This is comes 30 years beforehand. Um, and that the trade unions were a big obstacle to that. The trade unions ensured that labour prices, you know, wages remained artificially high, and if these could be brought down, then it would deal with the problem of unemployment. Now, here is where it all falls apart, because in 1957, there wasn't a problem with unemployment. The labour markets were... Uh, the the, the labour markets was straining to to provide capital, provide industry with enough workers. Uh, By the early 1960s, it was common practice in manufacturing jobs to be able to walk out of a job on a Friday night if you didn't like the boss and into a new job on Monday morning at at a similar factory down the road. Um, The the growth of the world economy in the post-war, in the 50s and 60s, had been explosive. So... There, there, there was the fear of relative economic de- decline. I, I stress the relative uh, in relation to uh, America's stratospheric growth and the um, emergence, with the re-emergence of countries like West Germany and Japan as economic powers um, following the devastation of World War Two. But this is relative decline. The, the Britain in 1957 doesn't have significant problems. There was often a lot of talk about strike days lost. The one newspaper that uh, hated the trade unions and liked to present them as folk devils and liked to present them as enemies of competition and enemies of productivity was the Times newspaper. And uh, 1957 was the year of a a famous um, Alec Guinness film, I'm Alright Jack, uh, which was the most, I think, 
if I remember correctly, the most popular film of the year, and it pre- uh, presents. Um, it's not Halligan, so I beg your pardon. It's Peter Sellers. Peter Sellers as a, a kind of an obtuse and difficult um, trade union shop steward who dreams of uh, the, the wonders of the Soviet Union, um, and it present it was part of a, a kind of like a, a popular mood of resentment against the trade unions. Even though, if you look at comparable strike days lost with most other first world countries, uh, Britain is relatively minor in in these in these stakes, and countries as far away, far away as America and Japan have far more industrial action. Most of the European countries lose more far more strike days than Great Britain. So, but there was a uh, this this kind of fringe of the Conservative Party that believed in restricting the money supply. This is a tenet of monetarism, which would later become what we would think of perhaps as neoliberalism, that inflation happens when there is too much money. And if there is inflation, um, it, uh, then there will inevitably be unemployment. Inflation will erode, uh, erode savings, it will erode productivity, um, and it will put pressure and upward pressure on prices, and that will lead to eventually to redundancies and, and unemployment. In the early 1980s, Geoffrey Howe, Margaret Thatcher's Chancellor, uh, explicitly on um, uh, reading from um, Hayek and uh, Milton Friedman, uh, imposed monetarist policies on Great Britain, and this resulted in huge levels of unemployment. You restrict the money supply, you you cut the level of, of uh, state spending, you raise interest rates to suck money out of the economy like a sponge, and, hey presto, you wind up with hardship, uh, deprivation, and you wind up with uh, bankruptcies and companies collapsing. But what Geoffrey Howe discovered, to his shock and horror, is that in addition to all of this, that inflation itself did not go down. So, Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. You wound up with high unemployment uh, and inflation. So whatever monetarism promised, it turned out that the, 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 the thinking was wrong and it really relates to how we see individuals in the economy and how we see them as consumers and producers and uh, and all this kind of thing. And they are evidently far less kind of homo economicus uh, than, we, than we thought. Anyway, returning to the problems of Harold Macmillan uh, in 1957 with Thornycroft, Powell and Birch. Um, uh, Francis Beckett and David Hank write, Macmillan won the first battle, riding with seemingly effortless ease um, the storm that Thornycroft, Powell and Birch hoped to whip up. Uh, but his protégé, Edward Heath, lost the last battle, ejected from leadership, from the leadership of his party, by Margaret Thatcher in 1975, a year after losing the general election. Like all politicians who actually changed the world, such as the other great change-maker of the 20th century, Clement Attlee, the uh, leader of the Labour Party, the grocer's daughter from Grantham had a very clear, had very clear and precise ideas about how the country should be run. It is not government, but free enterprise, which is capable of creating wealth, providing jobs, and raising living standards. So away, um, uh, so so away with the strong public sector of the Attlee government, and in particular with nationalisation. Talking of herself and Ronald Reagan, she said, "Our belief in the virtues of hard work and enterprise." Led, uh, led us to cut taxes. Our belief in private property um, led to the sale of state industries. Our belief in sound money led to the monetarist policies that attacked inflation. It could all hardly be clearer. So Margaret Thatcher kind of inherits the torch from the likes of, um, of Enoch Powell. Now, it's, it's not to suggest that Margaret Thatcher particularly embrace the the rivers of blood side of things there were comments that she made in 1979 um around immigration uh, and about being swamped and flooded and all, all all this kind of stuff but it was really um a world away from um the rivers of blood rhetoric so she was economically on the same page as Powell in terms of immigration i would think that Mrs Thatcher was probably largely indifferent to the debate. Um, no doubt she would probably have used and did use the uh, immigration and race relations card um, in all sorts of kind of reactionary ways when it suited her. But she was she was no ideologue when it came to, to race and identity. Um, Margaret Thatcher was um, more... Uh, focused on this question of the relationship between the state and the individual, the idea um, that individuals were um, that the the only real relationship was the relationship between individual and property. Margaret Thatcher uh, in 1979 essentially overturns the post-war settlement that had lasted um, from 1945 onwards. That settlement itself had been breaking apart throughout the 1970s. Um, the 1970s saw two oil shocks, one in uh, 1973, one in 1979, uh, which led to skyrocketing inflation. Social democracy 
um, in Great Britain seem to be unable to survive these inflationary pressures. Um, and the uh, the argument that uh, Thatcher put forward was that some kind of wholesale root and branch institutional change needed to to occur. Mrs. Thatcher in 1979 was not exactly the Margaret Thatcher you see later on uh, in the mid-1980s. Her manifesto in 1979 really is about uh, a, a return to uh, law and order. The, the, the 1970s um, had seen an escalation in crime in Great Britain. Nothing compared to the upsurge of crime during the 1980s, actually. The 1980s is a very violent decade in, in Great Britain. Um, but also, the 1980s was a decade in which it, there was, there was um, a, an overall sense that the country was drifting towards anarchy. Um, the, um, uh, the trade union movement um, saw a, a decade of strikes across the country and the um, fall of Edward Heath's government in 1974 at the hands of the miners. Edward Heath uh, institutes a three-day week uh, in which um, uh, and uh, power cuts um, uh, occur uh, because uh, the National Union of Mine Workers are able to picket uh, coal processing plants uh, and essentially bring nuclear uh, coal-fired power stations uh, down to uh, shutting down um, electricity uh, output. And um, Ted Heath runs an election essentially on the question of, of who is in charge. Uh, and um, the, the answer is famously, not you, mate. Uh, the Labour Party were re-elected. Um, Harold Wilson, um, then increasingly tired and unwell, was re-elected and it was uh, on the assumption that Labour would be able to deal with the problem of the trade unions uh, without um, waging all-out war upon them. Margaret Thatcher's principal problem with uh, Edward Heath was that um, Edward, Edward Heath had um, created uh, a manifesto called the, the Selsden Park Manifesto. Um, he and the cabinet in uh, 1970, just before, or the shadow cabinet in the 1970, just before uh, the 1970 general uh, e election, um, went to the Selsden Park Hotel in Croydon and brainstormed a, um, a manifesto which was far more kind of to the 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 uh, the likings of of the conservative right uh, once again it talked about privatization it talked about tackling britain's poor productivity and hinted that something would have to be done about uh, trade union uh, relations um and it was a uh, really a kind of a, a manifesto which was uh, perhaps a couple of steps short of of what the, the you know the 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 ultimate expression of Thatcherism became. Um, it was a, perhaps less kind of focused on on kind of um, installing a kind of popular capitalism 
it was more about shaking up the boardrooms of Britain and making a, a modern, more managerial capitalism. But definitely the taking on of the unions was in there and doing something about curbing public spending, which is something that the Conservatives were obsessed with. Um, Heath fails, uh, he's elected on his manifesto, but he fails on almost every measure of it. And Thatcher in 1975, when Heath is, uh, Heath is defeated in 74, Thatcher launches a leadership challenge in 75, uh, following the um, uh, failure of Sir Keith Joseph um, to uh, become the kind of the, the, the rights candidate uh, to take on Heath. Keith Joseph had made some very some sort of eugenic-y sort of comments about single mothers, uh, which even for the Tory right were a bit unacceptable. However, Keith Joseph himself, who had transitioned from being kind of like a, a welfare Tory, a, um, a, a social reformer, to being the most uh, kind of extreme and outspoken face of um, hacking back public spending, cutting welfare and exposing the country to the rigours of free market capitalism. Um, he was now persona non grata and so Margaret Thatcher, who Keith Joseph's protégé, took up the banner against Heath uh, and uh, demanded that Heath be essentially deposed for not sticking to manifesto pledges uh, regardless. And Mrs Thatcher loved to think of herself as this figure who um, was a, confront a, a conviction politician, a confrontational politician, a politician that had the battles that she thought needed to be, to be won. Um, and as we start to uh, look more closely, and this will be the subject for another podcast, at the miners' strike itself. This is the titanic battle that shapes Britain in the 1980s and really has shaped Britain ever since, has led to the crippling of the trade union movement and the, the kind of the end of industrial Britain. Um, we now exist in this kind of post-industrial landscape, um, which uh, has arguably... Uh, and yet to really kind of find its, its, its full expression. But it's certain to say that with the um, election of Margaret Thatcher and Margaret Thatcher's successive electoral victories throughout the 1980s, that the old world of consensus politicians, such as uh, Macmillan and Heath, but also uh, the, the likes of, of Pryor and Whitelaw, um, who were unceremoniously turfed out of the cabinet uh, during uh, Thatcher's early years, that these um, figures were kind of consigned to uh, the, the, the distant past of the Conservative Party and the, the writers in ascendance. In um, 2010, when David Cameron uh, came to power, um, on a, uh, a policy platform economically more punitive, probably than anything Mrs Thatcher had um, proposed, yet culturally speaking the kind of the, the language of um, the, the conservative base's bête noire, Tony Blair, um, he was always viewed with intense suspicion uh, and in some ways, the fact that um, from Heath onwards, you had um, 
career politicians like Margaret Thatcher who were far more, uh, not working class, but lower middle class in origin. Um, the, the return of right-wing Etonians, whose uh, e- economics are uh, utterly ruthless, and yet who culturally represent a kind of a, a liberal metropolitan elite. Often this hasn't sat very well with the party base. But more on that next time. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and you found it useful, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Uh, Do check out the uh, explaininghistory.org, subscribe to the newsletter, and there'll be updates galore. And also, if you can swing by our Facebook group, say hi, Explaining History podcast Facebook group, it's welcome to you, there's always some cool content there. All the best, thanks, bye-bye. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.